The following is a Stick Boy We Talk production. The following contest scheduled for one fall. I am the man. If you're some man, what the rock is talking. Welcome to the One Fall Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Johnson, and today we are joined by the co-founder of the We Talk Podcast website, as well as one of the many, 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 many G1 winners, because it's just, it's not going to stop. As much as I try to stop the bleeding, Morton just seems to find a way. He's the clown prince of charisma. Is Morton? How the hell are you doing? Well, it's, it's Martin. Martin. God. But but someday you'll you'll get it right. Don't worry about it. It's it's spelled Morton. It's just pronounced Martin. So <laughs> it's okay. Uh, you know, and and I probably am paying closer attention to Japan, New Japan, than you this year. And of course, the G one is coming up, so it gives me an advantage. But uh, I have to admit, uh, I have no idea where they're going right now. So well, uh, at, at this point, my I have no idea who's winning the G1. Well, an interesting little nugget. It sounds like Jay White will not be in this G1, and he will be staying and doing stuff for the New Japan of America branch of New Japan. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the New Japan America needs something. Not that, not that, you know, that they don't need something in actually in Japan as well. But the, uh, I mean, if they're going to continue to run New Japan America and continue to try and have events where they sell tickets, they need a little star power. And, you know, Jay White's a good person to do that with. Uh, and, and it just will make him bigger when he comes back. I mean, I'm sure he'll be there come Tokyo Dome. So uh, it, makes, it makes sense. Because, you know, uh, there's more storylines for him in America right now, if you think about it, through AEW and Impact and New Japan of America and everything. There's more storylines for him right now in America than there is in Japan, really, where he had already feuded with all the top guys. It, it gives that break from all those feuds, which I think is important sometimes and kind of gives makes the fans miss Jay a little bit more. Yeah, it'd be interesting because he seems to be the baby face in, in the, you know... It, in the interactions with Kenny Omega, uh, he definitely seems to be the baby face, but I don't know that he'll ever be a traditional baby face. So it'll be interesting to see what the character's like when it comes back to Japan as well. And I'm really curious, and I'm also curious if part of the reason he'll be stateside is eventually to have that match with Kenny and have that never-open-weight title on the line. I'm very, very curious to see if that is where they're headed. Um, I, I mean, I think that's that seems to be the logical destination. So, I mean, I do think that's where they're headed, but <laughs> yeah, it's New Japan. Like I say, it's tough to, uh, it's tough to tell. And, I mean... I mean, one person have... that he hasn't feuded with in, in New Japan... Is Shingo. Oh, those matches would be amazing. Wouldn't they? Oh. 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 I, I could pay good money to watch that. And I do every month for New Japan World. Yeah, good money, but not expensive. Always still worth the, uh, worth the investment, especially with the G1 coming up. But they know that. They always get a bump come G1 time. Oh, yeah. Oh, and they need it right now because COVID's hit them. Of all the companies, I think COVID's hit them hardest. Uh, but the, it sounds like their parent company did not take as big of a loss, so it didn't sound like New Japan was hurting as bad as what some people feared. So that's positive, at least. So it's now suppose, just, yeah. it's just now kind of getting their footing back and getting the ball rolling. But we'll have to wait and see. But one of the main reasons we're here is to talk AEW, but it's also to talk about world wrestling entertainment. WWE cut several people since the last time we recorded. 
after Vince made that tasteless joke, they have absolutely sent more talent careening towards AEW. But my thing is, my big thing is, and it's my little rant, and then I'll let you go. I'll let you go. I'm I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this. So go ahead. So the Dave Meltzer, the Wrestling Observer, has confirmed that this these decisions were from Vincent Kennedy McMahon, Bruce Pritchard, and John Laurinaitis, the three guys that should not be making judgment on what talent you keep and what talent you get rid of. But you have these cuts that have happened, and we've been blaming Nick Khan and Nick Khan's fattening the pig up, but it's I think Nick Khan is likely giving Vince a spreadsheet going, here's, here's who you could cut, and this is how much money you could save. And Vince is going with those. I think Nick Khan plays a role in it, but not as big of a role as what we once thought, especially there were still some reports that Nick Khan is is very much in Vince's ear. But I think the narrative that uh, Vince is being conned and poor Vince is being, Vince has no control over this and look at what Nick Khan is doing to them. This is at the end of the day, the buck stops with Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And I don't have a earthly understanding why any talent would think it would be a good idea to sign with Vince McMahon. And the part of the reason I say that is we always talk, we always hear the same thing from Talk is Jericho or whatever podcast this released talent goes. Oh, me and Vince had a great relationship. We talked and Vince loved all my ideas. He was fully behind it. But darn it, it was that Bruce Pritchard, Paul Heyman, uh, John Laurinaitis, Nick Carano, uh, Nick Khan. It was, it's always someone else's fault why it didn't fully click. It's never the guy where the buck stops. And I think that, I think that narrative needs to change. I think people need to realize that it, you can't, point fingers and go, oh, it was all these people. Poor Vince. Vince has final say on this company. Vince has final say on everything. This is on Vince. These are Vince McMahon calls, and they're atrociously stupid calls. They're just continuously, time after time again, you go, how are you managing your assets? You're managing them really piss poorly. And giving someone like John Laurinaitis and Bruce Pritchard a... uh, a firm voice on who you're releasing, fucking John Laurinaitis wouldn't know talent if it bit him in the ass. Like this is <laughs> this is this is a very bad direction that they've decided to head on. And if you're Adam Cole, why? And they're offering you the moon right now because, uh, according to Sean Rassap of Fightful.com, they are a great follow, by the way. Uh, they said that the Adam Cole and Vince McMahon had a big meeting. They made Adam Cole feel important. Apparently, it went really well. But if you're Adam Cole, one of the first questions I have is, why didn't you call me up when I was white hot in 2019, when I beat Daniel Bryan, when I was NXT champion, when I was Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT? I was white hot undisputed era was white hot why is it now suddenly you want to bring me up and have all these stories and how in god's name did you not know my contract was up and i had to sign a basically a little bridge deal before we got to this next point how the hell if i'm such a valuable asset to the company how did you not catch on that my deal was up and we should be negotiating before my deal was up how can you now sit there and tell me i'm going to promise you the moon when cesaro was promised the moon other talent multiple times have been promised the moon vince says whatever it takes for you to stay and then you just sit on your ass and waste away unless you're roman reigns seth rollins becky lynch Sasha Bank, Charlotte Flair, Bobby Lashley. And even Bobby took 
MVP to get to that point. I, if I was an independent pro wrestler, I would not sign, no matter how much money they put in front of me, for WWE. Because the reality is, Adam, the reality for any talent out there is at any point you can cut me. And I mean, sure, you can take a payday. If you're going to get paid and then they're going to cut you and you're still going to get your money, and if that's the direction you want to go and that's the direction you feel would be best for you to secure your future, then great. Do what you need to do. But for me, this is my personal perspective on it, I would not sign anywhere near a company that will release one of my close friends the day I'm having contract negotiations. I'm just not. I'm not. And now I've I've said my piece, and I'll let you go. Mm. Well, I'm not quite as pre- prepared for a rant as to do a rant as you are. Um, I, I think it's if you're Adam Cole, you you have to keep in mind. I think that the more that you're signed for, the more money you're being paid, the more likely you are to get cut. So it's really a double-edged sword. Yes, you can make the payday. And and, and the, the difficulty is, you know, not everybody can go to AEW. And uh, it used to be there was a while there where people were doing really well, you know, um, ex-WWE guys or the guys who know how to market themselves doing really well on the independence, but that was really before AEW. Cause I mean, since AEW opened up, it wasn't that long afterwards the COVID hit. And we, we just, we don't know if you're going to be able to go to the independence and make the same amount of uh, money or if AEW has cut into that market. That's, that's a difficult thing that we don't know if AEW has cut into that, into that independent market. Uh, I suspect they have. So it's, or, or it could be that they're leading to, the AEW also could make the independence more hot. Uh, that this is where the next talent is coming from. Uh, this is where you know uh, a lot of you know see the see the talent of tomorrow. Uh, so that's also a possibility that that as WWE continues to lose popularity, that the and AEW continues to get more popular, that possibly possibly the independence will grow with them. And and that's my hope. But I don't know. We we have to find this out. Um, so I mean, Adam Cole is different for Adam Cole. Other people, if your if your contract is up, uh, you probably resign for them because that's where you're going to make the most money for now. Um, you know, if you're not as big a name, uh, you and then you hope you don't get cut. Uh, you hope you get an opportunity. And you know, even then, you keep in mind that the the more popular you get, doesn't necessarily give you job security. Uh, all it would do is get you more job security and more likely that AEW will pick you up. That's that's your your thing. But, you know, we've seen a lot of guys who are pretty big names who have not been picked up by them. And and it, it makes it it's, – it's really difficult. I mean, you have to – absolutely, the buck always stops with Vince McMahon. And maybe when we've been talking about Nick Khan in the past, I have not properly uh, – Express that that's my opinion that the buck stops with Vince McMahon. I always thought that nothing's happening without his say so. Um, I, I do think that, I mean, there was one person, I think it was a Reddit, and you shared this with us, and this is interesting. So I'd like you to go over this again. One person talking about how they had convinced, how Nick Khan, the, the thing that he's doing is convincing Nick or Vince McMahon that he doesn't have to worry about competition. So they don't have to worry about being put out of business like they were by WCW anymore. So it's okay to let go of big names. And if they go to the competition, it doesn't matter. Um, Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah. So the the user, uh, the Reddit user was figure4woo. That is his name. And it's a very long post. But basically, uh, I'll, I'll read it for everyone so that they can kind of get a gist of what we're talking about. I don't believe Nick Khan is whispering evil thoughts into Vince's ear and Vince is acting on them. I do believe Nick Khan has brought a different philosophy and metric analyst method to WWE with his arrival. Nick Khan is a television guy, and in an interview, he laid out his vision for how he sees the future of television going with all streaming options. His philosophy vision slash vision is that streaming deals for the premium, well-established live sports brands 
are going to increase every time they are up for renewal, and smaller brands will fight for what's left. He sees the premium brands as stuff like NBA, NFL, college football, NHL, etc., and groups WWE in that list of premium wrestling brands. Media companies are going to have to continue paying a high price for those premium brands to have the streaming rights and are going to continue to pay more. They'll have less uh, capital available to spend on smaller brands. This is mainly due to the fact that advertisers will always choose the premium brands over the smaller, less established brands. If his vision philosophy slash philosophy holds true, then WWE will continue to get massive television deals every time they are up for renewal, but a company like AEW will never get get to that point. They will be stuck fighting for what's left after Warner spends the big bucks on stuff like uh, the NBA. The Peacock deal was a was all about making WWE more valuable to NBC so that they would want to continue paying big money for Raw and potentially pay big money for SmackDown if Fox doesn't uh, doesn't want the time for renewal for for renewal. The philosophy aligns heavily with Vince's view that the company is a draw, not the performers. And since Nick Khan doesn't see another wrestling company ever seriously threatening WWE's position as a premium brand in wrestling sports entertainment, there's no longer a need to seriously hoard talent. They can trim their roster, and if WWE gets them, it's not. Uh, if AEW gets them, it's not a big deal. AEW may get closer to them in demo and ratings but they'll never command an enormous television deal like WWE can because WWE will always be the long-established premium brand. That's basically what Nick Khan brings to the table, a philosophy and set of metrics that allow Vince to make certain choices and release people that he would have previously tried to hoard in order to keep them away from competition. Nick Khan is teaching Vince not to think like it's 1997 and WCW can put uh, the company out of business. That's not that's not a danger anymore. No will it ever be. AEW could stick dynamite on Monday and go head to head with Raw if they wanted, but they would never actually hurt WWE. WWE doesn't rely on live gates. They don't rely on pay per view sales. They're getting paid to produce television and network content. Thank you, figure uh, figure four woo. Yeah, I think there's a lot there that's probably right. Uh, I think he might be a little bit wrong. Look, let's put it this way. Um, I talked about in the last episode about how even when WCW was um, was beating, you know, the WWF at the time, that if you said to somebody, where does Hulk Hogan wrestle? And they were a casual fan or, or not a fan at all, but just knew of wrestling, they still would have said WWF. You know, and, and that's that's just the way it is. The brand is the brand, and and nobody else will ever ever challenge that status. Now, what I mean is, yes, if if AEW got two million viewers a week and a point six in the key demo, and WWE got one point five million and a point four five in the key demo. I do believe WWE would still get a superior television deal for that reason. On the other hand, I think when he says that they're just fighting for whatever's left over, I do believe uh, that those kind of numbers would mean that AEW would get a very good deal, probably 50 to two-thirds, 50% to two-thirds of what WWE would get, maybe three-quarters. Like, uh, I, I mean, I, I think they could do very well. But it would be difficult. It would take 10, 15 years of them being on top for them probably to to get a deal at equal to or better than WWE. Like that's you know that's that's just the the um, the reality of the situation. Oh, I, I I I agree with you. I don't think there's anything you said there that was wrong. Like I, uh, it's is there ever. Oh no, I can I can hear the air pump and the e- ego and head growing bigger and bigger by the second. The minute those words left my mouth, I can be like, "There we go, Martin." Martin is just Martin. Martin. <laughs> ah, I'll get it one day. One day. Yeah, someday. Uh, it's it's really interesting where everything is at. This is probably the most interesting wrestling has ever been in the last. 
20 years? Maybe 15 years? It's been an interesting three years or so. Yeah, I think this is, other than the time when Bret Hart came back and and, uh, TNA went head-to-head, that was interesting for a short while. Other than that, this is these last, I say the last three years or so, the most interesting wrestling has been. Not the most popular it's been, but the most interesting has been in, in 20 years or so. Yeah. There's there's a and there's a lot of gears kinda and there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Like uh, uh reportedly uh Hunter and Sean had no say in the NXT cuts. If you're Hunter and Sean, what do you think their mindset is right now? Where do you think their head's at? And do you buy into that they have they have no part of these NXT cuts? I, I don't know. It's it's hard to make, you know, Hunter has, uh, or at least had a lot of power. It's really difficult to judge right now how much power he has compared to what he had, say, two years ago. Um, it's It's very difficult to know because... I mean, he there he lost a little bit when NXT did not do what it was supposed to do and keep AEW from becoming popular. Um, undoubtedly, he lost a little bit then. So I, I'm not sure. What do you, How much power do you think Hunter has right now? I don't know. I've gone back and forth. I wonder if he's got a little bit more power and he, again, is just kind of, he knows that Vince will take the heat for all of this. He can be like, oh, oh Jelligy Willigers, this is this is all Vince. I'm the I'm the nice innocent one. Uh, but I do wonder if this is if if his powers waned a little with uh, with having because if from all reports from Meltzer, with it being Laurinaitis and Pritchard, like you gotta wonder if Hunter's kind of on the outs in some ways. Just I, I'd and, like to point out, by the way. If you don't know this story, uh, when The Rock was gone for several years, uh, it's because WWE forgot to re-sign his contract. So if they can forget him, they can forget Adam Cole. They didn't realize his contract was coming up. At least that was the excuse they gave. Wait, that was really? Laurinaitis. Yes. Yeah, they didn't sign. They they didn't realize The Rock's contract was up back when he was just starting the movies. Um, yeah. About the time that Walking Tall came out, he they they said that they didn't realize his contract was up, and it ran out. So, what? Yeah, Laurinaitis. What uh, a Mickey Mouse organization! Holy crap! I thought you'd like that one. How are they the premium wrestling brand again? Like. It seems like it's run by like blind monkeys. And they're just hammering into a typewriter. Like in The Simpsons, where they have all those monkeys typing the fortune cookies. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's what WWE is. And yet somehow they're making money hand over fist. They are <sighs> making money hand over fist. And the, the thing about this is they need to... Uh, they They do have... As they say, a fiduciary responsibility to make as much money for their share, shareholders as possible. So if they can sit there and go, uh, technically, if they can sit there and go, hmm, we have enough people to put on television still. Let's cut all these people and it won't affect us. And we're going to make even more money, even though they're making more money than they ever have before. If they can, technically, they're supposed to do that. Now, morally, do they have to? No, and it is those people on top, the Vince McMahon's, the Nick Cons, the Bruce Pritchards, these people, they don't, you know, some of these people cut from NXT, good luck making a living in it because you weren't a big name. And they have absolutely, while they're making record profits, absolutely no feelings. There's no feelings, no heartache, no humanity there that these people are all of a sudden out of work uh, or that people went out of work at the time of a, of a, of a you know, pandemic when they couldn't work and they they were making records. There is no humanity at, at the top of this company. Um, and I, you know, to some degree, it kind of shows 
this is like the problem with the capitalistic uh, system. You know, there's good and there's bad. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunately the system we have. But, yeah, Vince McMahon is, uh, is not... Uh, he, he may come across like, you know, he's going to have a good relationship with you. You're a piece of meat to him. I mean, that's yeah. it at the end of the day. Let's let's just go back to 1999 and Owen Hart. You're just, yeah. you're just a spoke in the wheel and they can easily replace you and the machine will keep turning on. Um, and I mean, the other thing, the other interesting that has come out today is apparently the direction where NXT wants to go. And a, this ties in with how much power and how much say Hunter has, is apparently they want to revert back to the old developmental system, and they want basically big guys and young guys. It's kind of their focal point. So to me, you hear... Pritchard and Rolloranitis, now that sounds like them. Yeah. Not that not that Hunter didn't have once have that thinking, but I think he came around to it. I think he came around to not thinking that didn't necessarily have to be the way. And I think you like we absolutely should do a show on the Golden Age of NXT because there was some great shows and great oh, matches, yeah. great moments from NXT. But it, it feels like it's an end of an era for NXT. It feels like this is the end. And what does younger and bigger mean for guys like Kyle O'Reilly? What does it mean for Kushida? What does it mean for mainstays like Ciampa and Gargano? Like, what what does this all mean for these guys? These guys that have been built the NXT brand with blood, sweat, and tears, where are they destined to go? Because like you said, not everyone can go to AEW. What happens to those guys? We need a third alternative, really. We really do, you know, for them to go to. Um, yeah, it's it's really, you know, when you want to get bigger and younger, what you're saying basically is you don't want independent wrestlers anymore. You want to find guys who were basketball stars or football players or mixed martial arts maybe, or just in general, you're not looking for the smaller guys, which is hilarious because those are the guys that have gotten over both in NXT and, you know, at the at the uh, big league level, the, the main roster level. Those are the guys that have been getting over, let's face it, for many, many years. You know, basically since about CM Punk. Uh, yeah, it, but they want to get younger and bigger. Do they think that that's... That's Vince, and like I say, that's Vince, that's Laurinaitis, that's Pritchard definitely thinking to themselves, that's the reason why we're losing popularities. Our guys aren't, there's, they don't have that thing that you want, that they always said, you want somebody when he's walking by in the airport, people look at him and go, who's that? You know, and when Kyle O'Reilly walks past you in, a, in an airport, you don't think that, you, you know, you just don't, like he, he doesn't. Nobody who's not a wrestling fan would go, whoa, who's that? Whereas, you know, back in the day, Hulk Hogan walked through, uh, if people didn't know him, they'd go, whoa, who's that? You know, uh, that's that's definitely a difference in the business. And and there is something to that, but I don't think that the, the fact that you're just big is is it. There's a, uh, you know, macho man Randy Savage wasn't huge, and he would walk past people in, a, in an airport, and people would go, whoa, who's that? There's, there's a another factor there but again are you trying to grow the business or are you trying to um, uh, just get the most out of what you think is the current audience or what is it because i don't really know what they're they're trying to do anymore i i don't know either i i legitimately like you hear that because you look like i mean in this model they would pass. They would pass over Jungle Boy. They would pass over Darby Allen. Uh, we'll talk about Darby Allen in a little bit. Uh, you would have passed over. You probably would have passed over MJF. MJF's yep. not that big, so you would have passed over him. I mean, 
Is that you would have passed over Cole in the first place? Yeah, you would have passed over Cole. You would never have had Undisputed Era. You would never have had Gargano. Like Gargano was lights out for you in NXT. Mm-hmm. He's Mister like, NXT. Ah, absolutely. Champa, you would have passed over. We would never have gotten the Blackheart. Like Pete Dunne, you would have passed over. Tyler Bates, you would have passed over. Like, and I mean, you even look at it like a, a Karrion Cross who isn't actually that big. You may have not. You would have been more on the fence. You would have been on a smaller side. Uh, but you look at how they even handle a guy like Keith Lee, who would be someone that would fit under the bigger, bigger men model. You would have passed over. According to them, he doesn't know how to work because he learned to work on the independence. And you would have passed over Finn Balor. You know, maybe it's the worst. Maybe. Yeah, you would have passed on Finn Balor. Maybe the worst thing that they ever did was brought up almost and that he got over. Because it's that they seem to only like it when they get they believe they've gotten people over. Look at they would have passed over Brian. We never mm-hmm. would have got WrestleMania. Like it's just Hey, they absurd. almost they did pass over Brian once. They passed over Kenny Omega. Think about that. They passed over Kenny Omega. He was there. They didn't see it. And you you think about it with like Kenny and the Bucks and Hangman being one of the consistently top rated segments for AEW. And I think it's it's not because you look at them and go, man, look at all that beef on the screen, like Vince would say. I think there's a story and there's characters there and there's an emotional connection within this story and especially for more hardcore wrestling fans this is a long long simmering story that has been told you have an emotional connection with your character that's what you need in wwe you don't need to have a certain mold for a pro wrestler you don't have to go they have to be this anyone most people if you're good enough you're a good enough wrestler and you're a good enough storyteller, and you're good enough at creating an emotional uh, connection, you will get over, and you will connect with an audience. Brian did it. Punk did it. Macho Man did it. Hogan did it. Cena did it. Batista did it. Shawn Michaels did it. Brett did it. All of those different body types. All of those different pro wrestlers, Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, this thought, this archaic thought of going can't have any vanilla midgets is was one of the death blows to WCW. And now you're repeating history, but you're going, well, we can't fail. We're too big to fail. And I don't really believe that. Well, NXT didn't get the, uh, didn't get a bump in, in, and pay. I don't think WWE is due for a bump in pay. I think next time their contract is up, I think they'll get less. I think they'll get significantly less. Um, that said, they'll still get more than the competition. They'll still get enough to make a profit. But I do think they'll get, they will get less because at some point somebody has to look at the numbers and say, you know, you're not necessarily worth this. And we've heard, you know, how Fox is not happy. I mean, Fox thought they were going to do a 1.0 in the key demo and, uh, you know, 2.5 million minimum, maybe 3 million, you know. Uh, and those numbers were never realistic. We talked about, I think I said they they would settle in at just over 2 million. And I never talked about the key demo, but, you know, it, at the time, never thinking more than 0.5. Like, they just, that's not who the product is. At some point in time, the people that negotiate have to look at the numbers, instead of just looking at past numbers or looking at the fact, I mean, I watched SmackDown this week and it was not a good show until the last 15 minutes with Finn Balor and, and uh, you know, Roman Reigns. Uh, they had a really good segment to close it and that helped. Um, but it was a really awkward show and the crowd was dead. And this is after watching Dynamite where this wasn't the hottest crowd they had in Dynamite. You know, they're coming back to Jacksonville where they played a billion times now. 
and uh, it was a pretty good show uh, until again they had a great old, old closing angle. Um, but even then, with that crowd not being as hot as what we've seen the last couple of weeks from from AEW, it was ten times hotter a crowd than SmackDown had. Ten times hotter. Um, yeah, this is a company that at some point in time that the reality has to kick in. And uh, when that happens, what's going to happen is they're, you know, they'll, they'll get less money for their TV deals or less money for being on Peacock or being a content provider. Uh, do I think that's going to happen? Yeah. And then we'll just see more cuts. And you know what? I'd like to point out something, by the way. While they're sitting there cutting uh, 12 people from NXT, was it 12 or 13? I believe it was 12. Yeah, they cut 12 people from there. And the only name of any note, really. Bronson Reed, but I had said to you on this show, I didn't think Bronson Reed would get over because a big guy who's shorter than Vince McMahon, he could not, he could not see as as a potential star. Uh, so I mean, I think that I think the same would go say for Laurinaitis and Pritchard, because uh, clearly, clearly, Hunter saw something in him, and there is something there. Um, I don't think he'll end up in AEW, mind you, but you know, there's something there. He's one of the guys who I think could do do okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I forget where I was going with this. Where was I going with this, Joel? Um, I'm not entirely sure. That's all right. That's all right. I, I, I do forget where I was. In the middle of my thoughts, I got distracted. But yeah, I mean, they cut these these 13 people. Uh, oh, yeah, I, uh, I know uh, where I was going to say. Uh, and you cut all these people. You cut Bray Wyatt and all these other people on the main roster. You know a good way to drop, I don't know, probably a million dollars or more in salary? What's Go that? from 30 writers to zero. You probably hey, have a ton of money. They, you know, uh, I'm not sure writers are probably getting between 80 and 100,000 a year. Uh, those writers, you know, all of them, it's probably close to $3 million uh, worth of salary. Uh, we've seen that you don't need writers. Uh, at least you don't need 30. Go down to like four or five. Um, that would be a way. Not that I'm advocating for people to uh, lose their jobs, but let's face it. Um, getting rid of the writers is a good way. And I, I kind of wonder if at some point that's not going to happen. Be- Maybe they're too su- too stubborn. And I don't think they'll ever get rid of writers completely. But I could see them seriously cutting that staff. I I think so too. I I would not be shocked at all. It's you 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 absolutely could have cut them, and you could have kept Bray Wyatt. You could have kept yeah, like like I just cutting fish just seemed like a really weird choice especially when you're negotiating with adam cole well i understand i mean bobby fish is what 46 yeah he's he's somewhere there like he's in his mid 40s so i i kind of thought but uh, what i hate is that he had a storyline going you don't finish the storyline that sucks that's not good business to me you 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 finish the storyline where Logically, that way you can write them out. But yeah, uh, I, I I kind of it is weird because, like you say, he's good friends with uh, with Adam Cole. But I I get it. He's he's not going to the main roster, and he's taking a spot of a younger guy you could be training when he's in his mid forties. Uh, maybe a guy like that is very good to uh, help get the help the younger guys learn. But they probably still think they have enough guys do who can do that. So. Yeah. Well, to me, I would have kept Fish there until either you knew what was happening with Cole. Once you have an idea what's happening with Cole, then you can make a move. But I'd wait till Cole was comfy and the ink ink didn't even have to dry. If you wanted to release Bobby, I would have waited until, you know, pen was to paper. And then done whatever I was going to do. Because then you'd be like, okay, well, you're here. This is locked down. By the way, we're going to have to make a few more cuts. Simple yeah. and easy. 
and because either way, you, I, I don't know what had like you could tell that uh, Cole was bugged by the Tyler Breeze release, and there are a few other oh, releases. Like it's there's there's a few of them that are like I I think this is you you don't want to burn your bridges you don't and it feels like they willfully set fire to things and go well it's not going to bite us in the ass I think you're right I think that they think at this point nothing's going to bite them in the ass there's such an arrogance there and that's very 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 bad to have in business because once you have that arrogance you will get caught on the chin and you get put on your ass before you know it might not be this year might not be next year but at some point you're gonna get caught flush on that chin and you're not gonna know what to fucking do well i mean if you're getting you know i mean if your numbers keep going down it has to come to a head. It just has to, you know. Um, and I, the downward trend on Raw, like I don't see a single thing that can turn it around anymore. You know, not even dropping an hour of television, which would help, or anything. Like it, it's just hard to imagine them turning it around because let's face it, it's been every year a little bit of degrading in in ratings, or a lot degrading on some years. But every year for more than 20 years. Think about that. Yeah. I mean, the peak was in 1999. Yeah, yeah. But every year since, you've lost a little popularity. Though they were talking about on SmackDown how they had 80 million YouTube subscribers, more than the NBA, more than the NFL, more than NASCAR, more than all these other competitions that they... They have 80 million, and it's like, does that mean you have 80 million people seriously interested in your product? Because you have 80 million subscribers on YouTube worldwide? Um, I don't think so. No. Nope. Uh, I, I don't think that's what that means. Uh, I think you have that many people who might have an interest occasionally, but they're definitely not watching because there's no way then that your YouTube videos will be getting as few people as they're getting, you know? Every one of them would get 80 million viewers or more. Um, maybe there are people, that many people worldwide, obviously there is, that have some interest in the product, but not enough to, to track it down, not enough to spend money on it. And it's just if somebody tells them that something good is happening, that they subscribe so it's easy to find. Yeah. Like, it's... They, they like to tout all these numbers. It's it's just uh, puffing out their chest. Look yeah. at how important we are. Like, yeah, exactly. And I mean, uh, fun thing, WWE is reportedly going to release the trademark on Chelsea Green's name. Apparently they trademarked her birth name. And <laughs> now they're going to... That's come uh, up before. That's that's come up before, whether or not they could do that. Uh, WWE reportedly made contact with uh, with Chelsea Green Sunday night to inform her that they were going to release the trademark on her name, according to a report by Fightful Select. Green confirmed the news to Fightful. She also says she, she'd be speaking more about it on the next episode of Green with MB podcast. As no WWE filed a trademark for Chelsea Green last year, and at first it looked like they were going to keep the name despite her being released in April. And does just everybody think they can do a podcast on wrestling? I mean, come on now. I know. It'd be like a couple jabronis from Alberta getting together and doing a wrestling podcast. Never happened. No, no. They, they don't have the moxie. The moxie, I like that. Uh, what else? Oh, the other, the other thing that came out, uh, there was a allegation against uh, one Darby Allen. Uh, there was a former girlfriend that leveled out some uh, allegations of abuse. Um, and I believe these accusations came out last year, and now they're 
popping out again. Uh, according to AEW, there was an investigation held. Uh, Darby Allen had some sort of messages, text, DMs, something or rather, and then that put an end to it. But again, these are coming out, and we always say you got to believe the victims, uh, and there 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 needs to be due process with stuff like this. Uh, what do you what do you think of them coming out again? Um, well, it sounds like they, if it's being taken care of, if they investigate, we always believe the victim first. Uh, so we investigate. Now you've investigated, and after investigations, you have reason to not believe the victim. Uh, I think you can move on. Uh, them coming out again feels just like uh, I don't know what is it. It's it feels like it feels like bitterness from from a party trying to get even with him or trying to ruin him uh, is how it comes across. You know, I believe AEW has has investigated it because we've seen AEW already. Uh, if somebody has done something wrong, they punish him in some way. Um, what would you do with Darby Allen? You would go as far to release him if this was true. Uh, you know, so I, I would I would hope that that was is what they would do. Um, and if they don't believe it's true, uh, it's they do need to make a public statement on it and talk about it, talk about the investigation. But, um, I mean, you can't punish a guy for accusations alone. You you do need evidence. Um, you believe the victim first. You believe they have the evidence. But if they can't provide it, then you can't punish the guy because that's how that's that's the other side of this double-edged sword. I don't. I don't disagree with you at all. There. This is a very fine line you're walking, and you gotta. You gotta make sure you 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 do everything by the book, everything by the letter. Make sure you are are. are you can't ignore it like some companies have with some certain dream like uh, uh, employees that they've had. Let's put it this way. Uh, uh, just to when something like this happens, when somebody comes out, if the person is guilty, usually multiple people come out, you know, um, saying it. I mean, it's not like one person has said Chris Como, you know, uh, was inappropriate at, at work. You know, um, the New York governor, so many people have came out at the same time. Which makes me think, okay, that means it's true. When only one person comes out, it's not that I don't still believe the the victim, but there is much more reason to be skeptical if only one person has done it and to want that proof. Because usually when somebody comes out and and gives, I mean, we saw it in the uh, in the, the uh, speaking out movement, you know. Um, when somebody was inappropriate, more than one, one, as soon as the first person came out on one person, usually more than one person would come out. And so that's that's another factor in this for me. I, I think that's a very fair factor to have because usually, usually where there's smoke, there's fire, and there are multiple people that are, have, uh, like the Andrew Cuomo thing is absolutely a perfect example of Oh, I said Chris Como, didn't I? His brother in CNN. Sorry, Andrew Como. Is it Andrew? It's one of. The, it's a Como. No, this it is. is. It's Andrew. You're right. It's Andrew Como. Chris Como is the anchor on CNN. His brother. There's been nothing, no accusations against him. His brother is the one that's. Uh, yes, upgrade. it's all been Andrew Como. Oh, he's he, and he seems like he's rightfully up a creek without a paddle, which is what he should be. Uh, what it should be, why he doesn't retire and get himself out of there to save everybody all the all the problems, but is as you know resign, I don't know. That's arrogance again. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm trying to think if there's anything else anything else major. Do you think Cody Rhodes has retired? I mean, after they went off air, I mean that was the angle he was doing. Then it, it's Alistair Black um, attacked him. 
Uh, Alistair Black, of course, squashed him. Uh, I thought that was great, put over the guy strong. Um, and then this this leads to a rematch, uh, you know, the way they did it. Uh, but then after they went off air, Cody still left his boots in the ring, um, which is a sign that, you know, that's it. Uh, what do you think? I got no idea. I honestly have no earthly idea. It would be very surprising if Cody was done, but I mean, maybe he's at a point where he doesn't want to take the bumps anymore. Maybe he wants to move on to other things, whether it's political or other aspirations. Um, I don't know. It seems very weird. I don't know if I fully buy it, but I'm very interested to see where this goes. I think he's 35 or 36. Yeah. Um, it it does feel to me like I, I think he's probably in semi-retirement where it's not like, no, I'll never have a match again. But you won't see me unless there's a proper storyline. You won't see me as a regular. Uh, you might see me on, on screen as a regular, maybe as an authority figure, but not as a regular um actual i think he he can see that he's starting to get the heel heat as well uh people wanted to cheer um malachi black over him uh no question about that so uh, i think that's also a portion of it but i i really think i think he's probably in semi-retirement where he'll have the kind of like hunter was for a long time there where you know he would still have matches but they would be rare they'd be at big events and I, I get the feeling that's what we're going to see with him. I'm okay with that. I think AEW is more than okay. He's busy being a father. He's busy being an EVP. And like you say, he has other outside interests. So I, I don't expect him to pursue those now. I think he's busy with the AEW and with, uh, you know, like I think he's busy as he is. I think he wants to continue to grow AEW too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's his baby. It was funny, though, because in, in the kind of retirement speech he was giving after he lost to, to Black, he referenced, he actually acknowledged the issues between him and, uh, and the Bucks and Kenny. So I found that very interesting because it denied it earlier. But he publicly acknowledged it in that speech. Is that tying towards any potential future storylines, or do you think that was more legit? I, I don't know. I don't know. It felt pretty legit, but then again, he's uh, really good on the mic. So yeah. you, <laughs> you don't know. Could be either or. Uh, I'm very curious. Uh, we Also, you can probably fill this out better than me. Uh, we had the passing of Bobby yeah. Eaton. Uh, I'm going to let you cover all of this because I got nothing. I know nothing. Well, I'm going to fill you in, and then afterwards I hope you will go and work, watch some of the man's work. Because uh, to me, this is the big subject of the week, the most important, the passing of this of this beautiful Bobby Eaton, one half of the Midnight Express, uh, most famously. And you should watch him and you should know him, because he wasn't good. He was great. I would say he's one of the 30 greatest wrestlers in the history of the business. Um, and when you think about the tens of thousands of people in the hundred years that have done this industry, the fact that he's in the top 30 puts him in pretty high company. He was that good. Um, definitely top 50, probably top 30. A brilliant professional wrestler. Uh, the Probably, I would say, the two greatest wrestlers that were tag team specialists as a, as a solo person uh i think he was probably the greatest tag team wrestler uh not the not the midnight express i would say is the greatest tag team though they'd be in the top 10 maybe top five uh probably top five to be quite honest but the you know especially in the the one he did when it was uh, uh him and cordry uh, you know more than the sweet stan lane was uh uh, Dennis Cordry uh, was would have been the best working one. Stan Lane hit the other because there was three different irritations or what is the word? I I said it wrong there. Three different versions, we'll just say. 
of the Midnight Express. And he was in a couple of them, two of them. He was in the last two. Um, him and Cordry, so good. Uh, so much influence on the current product is from those guys. You see, it used to be people were going to wrestling, um, I mean, almost fully to see for the characters, to see this person beat up this person. Occasionally, if you had, say, a Dory Funk to, against a Jack Briscoe, and, you know, one was a champion, another was a former champion, you'd go for the quality of the match. But generally, you didn't go for the quality of the matches. Uh, you went to see, because this person was going to beat up this person, you hated one, you loved the other. And, and that was it. Nowadays, wrestling is more, when I say to you, okay, I want to see Malachi Black versus CM Punk, it's like, oh, me too. Not because I hate one or love the other. It's because I think the match will be awesome, you know, uh, provided Punk still has it, and I hope he does. Uh, I think he's kept in great shape, but I, I digress. The whole idea of going for great quality matches, Midnight Express and their great matches that they consistently had with everybody, and a bunch of other tag teams. Really, it was the tag teams of the 80s that changed this, uh, that made this. And then it was furthered by Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, you know, and Ric Flair. Uh, furthered that concept, you know, uh, Ricky Steamboat, things like that. People like that furthered it as, as individuals. But it's really the tag teams that, that changed that concept of, I want to see this match because I know the match will be great. And so it was really the British Bulldogs and the Hart Foundation, uh, mostly in WWE, though uh, there was a lot of other great tag teams that, that uh, such as the Rougeos and and uh, you know the Killer Bees and different different teams. But they also those different teams also kind of pushed this. But it was really the Hart Foundation and the Bulldogs, and especially against each other, that made this change in 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 people's mentality of I I want to go see the quality of the match. Um, and that was because of their exposure, because they were in the biggest federation, and then almost equal, um, almost equal, or or maybe equal, maybe even greater influence is the Midnight Express, and the Rock and Roll Express, and the Fantastics, and the Fabulous Ones, and, and all these teams that were having great matches, that outside of WWF at the time. So you had these people like like the Midnight Express. They were um, you know, them and the, and the Rock and Roll Express would be the two big ones again, and the British Bulldogs and the the Hart Foundation would be the big ones for influence. And and the reason why their influence might even be bigger in the Hart Foundation and the Bulldogs is because in all the magazines and the dirt sheets and whatever, they were the ones who got all the praise uh, or got the majority of the praise. And uh, that's where a lot of people who got into the business uh, gravitated to was those magazines, those after magazines and um, you know, the uh, the dirt sheets at the time. So really huge influence um, on today's modern wrestling. Uh, Bobby didn't have the look of, of a superstar. He didn't have the body, you know. He had maybe the greatest mullet in wrestling history, so there's that. Um, but, you know, he didn't, and he didn't have huge talking ability, but he didn't need it because he had Jim Cornette, you know. And uh, Sweet Stan Lane was somebody who was very charismatic attic and had a great look and he could talk and uh cordry could talk you know his other partner in the midnight express his original partner in the midnight, not the original midnight express the original Midnight Express was before him he was the second person to come in or third person to come in but um his offense was unbelievable uh very few people have taken like you see a guy like phoenix and he takes to the air and he does all these spectacular moves and innovative moves but he doesn't float the way that that Bob, beautiful Bobby Eaton did. He defied gravity in a different way. I mean, it would be an elbow drop, a knee drop, a leg drop, which was his finisher off the top rope. And, or, you know, the elbow drop off the top. When he did it, you would swear to God, he stopped in the air, hung there for a moment, and then came down. It was so beautiful and just floated. And, that's why he's one of the greatest high flyers of all time, not for the innovation of it, but for the ability to, there's very few people I've seen who've been able to float in the air the way he does. Uh, 
you know he deserves a lot of credit he deserves people to to check out his work and i encourage you to go check out i believe the rock and roll express took on uh was, i think it took on the midnight express i think it it was one of the early clashes might even have been the first one and just tore the house down and, and that's probably a good place to start so uh rest in peace beautiful bob eaton this one really sucks uh 62 years old far too young and you know taking and his life was rough after wrestling i mean even though he was wrestling up to about five years ago the truth is that he had a lot of physical problems because when you're coming off the top rope and it was a harder ring in those days you're coming off the top rope with elbow drops and you're landing on your hip and uh leg drops landing on your ass and you're you're you know going up to your hip and and you know the knee drops all this stuff took a physical toll um and he because he would do it every night he wouldn't just do it for big events they were they would tear down the house everywhere you know uh televised or not so yeah this one really sucks and uh you know like i say rest in peace beautiful bobby and our our thoughts and best wishes go to your you and your family so that's uh that's about it is there anything you want to say off that or any questions no, no. Like I say, he's probably the greatest. Him or him or Red Bastion. Red Bastion was a Canadian wrestler um, who Bret Hart said might have been the best of all time. Um, they, they would be the two guys you would look at for the best individuals in tag teams history. Um, Red Bastion or beautiful Bobby is one of those two that is the best individual to, to wrestle in tag teams because i mean you can look at a guy like tony Gurria. he won six world championships with five different partners in the wwe uh, in the 70s or early 80s probably his team with rick martell would be his best team uh they probably should have been in the top 50 tag teams of all time but that uh, that whole list was a joke anyways to be honest with you a terrible list um not really knowing his history at all but Tony Gurria, even though he won all those, it was usually just right place, right time, right partner, you know? Um, Mr. Fuji had two dominant tag teams he was in. Uh, with the same gimmick, you know, the evil Japanese foreigners. But uh, he had two dominant t- tag teams he was in. But again, it, it, was the, it was the right gimmick to be on top. It wasn't that he was the great work, or Tony Gurria was the great work, the beautiful Bobby Eaton or, or Red Bastion were. So, yeah, just that that's the history behind it. And, uh, you know, I won't go on anymore. I think that's I think this is the the best way to end the show is definitely uh, I've got some homework to do. I've got some research to do and uh, yeah, thoughts and uh, thoughts and prayers to the family. Uh, they've they were able to exceed the, the money that they need to raise with the GoFundMe. So that is that is always awesome to see. And you see guys like Tony Khan and uh, Jericho step up in those situations. Uh, and others step up. Any little bit helps. Uh, yeah, this is this is I definitely learned a lot in your 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 bit that you, you rattled off. So I think this is the best way to end the show. Well, you know it's been uh it's been an interesting show i've i've enjoyed talking to this week it's like almost like we didn't have a third person who just got involved and got in the way i know i know he's busy probably talking about big brother or something so (laughs) which you can find on the we talk podcast like if that interests you i'll give him i'll give him a free plug a show if he's not here take network yes gotta gotta keep them happy or happy-ish agreed uh but uh, thank you very much for the show uh i'm i always enjoy you coming on talking wrestling and i'm sure we'll be back next week uh the twitter the one fall twitter is active it is going it is it we will myself and josh will be uh sending out various tweets throughout the week as things happen and it's definitely a spot to pay attention because there may be a a few uh, other little things that come with that twitter account so you'll definitely want to pay attention to that as well as is there anything this week that the people should be paying attention to for the we talk site 
you know, nothing of uh, special note. We Talk Comics will be posting this week, but, uh, you know, it's been a, a little bit quiet. We'll have uh, one music interview scheduled for this week, but, uh, you know, a little bit quiet, but we'll have, um, there's always good stuff, blogs and different stuff that we're trying to get up and just, uh, you know, recently put up uh, 10 great versions. The Rolling Stones classic song, Paint It Black, I just put up a blog that was 10 great versions of uh, cover versions that you can check out and uh, of that song if you're a fan of uh, classic rock. So, Awesome. Well, definitely go and check that out. And we'll be back next week with more wrestling news and updates. Goodbye! And good night! <laughs>